And today we are wrapping up our series, New You, and the title of my message for you today is New Faith, New Faith. And I just want to say that I believe God has incredible things in store for our lives. I believe God has miraculous things in store for us. I believe that God wants to do amazing things in our lives and through our lives. I believe that God has what's best for us in life. But for us to experience God's best, for us to experience the incredible things, the miraculous things that God has in store for us, we have to have faith. It takes faith for us to follow God to the place where the potential of his best for our lives can become a reality. God's best exists. That is a potential for our lives. But for that to become a reality, we have to have the faith to follow God where he leads us. We need to have a faith that is growing and vibrant and alive. And here's the thing. I can't, I can't put faith in you. You know, like I can't, I can't do like a Jedi wave, you know what I mean? Like, and just give you that faith. Faith can't be borrowed from somebody else. It can't be bought. It can't be purchased. That's not how faith works. In fact, the Bible says that faith is a gift from God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God. It's something that the Lord gives to us. And then once we have it, it grows and it, it matures, but you can't get it from somebody else. Faith in that way is much like experience. Somebody can tell you about their experience. They can tell you about what they've done and where they've been, but they can't, they can't give you that experience. It's, it's theirs. It, 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 you can't just have it. Like if I go to a, a Thunder playoff game, if somebody goes to a, a Thunder playoff game, like you can tell somebody else about it. You can tell them about the crowd and the hype and the noise and the excitement. And you can tell them about how Kevin Durant hit a three-point shot to beat the Heat. And it was just amazing. You can tell them all about it. But they weren't there. You can't give them that experience. And faith is that same way. It's a gift from God. You cannot give it to somebody else. But again, when we have that gift of faith in us, it is something that grows. It is something that matures. It's something that gets stronger. And we need that process of growth in our lives to get to the place where God is leading us, where he's taking us, so we can experience everything he has for us, the amazing things, the incredible things, even the miraculous things. Our faith needs to grow. And in this way, faith is like the ability to play a sport. Like when you're a little kid and you're just in, you know, little league playing, you know, ball, like you don't need major league ability when, when you're in little league. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't need to be able to throw a 90 mile per hour fastball in little league. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't need that. But, but as you advance, as you grow, as you get better, as you move up, you go from little league to, you know, junior high to varsity to college, you know, onto the pros, your, your ability, your, your talent has to develop as you go. And faith is the same way. We have to grow in our relationship with God. We have to grow in our faith to continue to follow the Lord. It's like this when we are new in our relationship with God and, and for the first time we hear about tithing, we hear about returning 10% of our income to God and we kind of look at that and we're like, 
man, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know about that. And, and it's, it's, it's a struggle for us. And we kind of look at it and we go, man, you know, if I, I do that, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to take care of that? And, and, and we're new in our faith and we make a decision. We go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor God. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to take this, this big step of faith, you know, and I'm, I'm going to return the tithe. And we do that and we return our tithe. We give 10% of our income to the Lord. And then we watch the Lord be faithful to his promises that he really will provide that he really will take care of you, that as you are obedient to him and you honor him, he will take care of you. And what happens is we take a big step of faith and we're not really sure, and then we see the faithfulness of God and our faith grows, our faith matures. And as that happens, we're able to follow God where he leads us and there we can experience God's best. And we want you to, I want you to experience all of the incredible things that God has for you in store for your life. But faith can't stay little league. Faith has to grow. We can't stay there. If we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to experience everything he has for us, we can't stay in that little league. We've got to grow in our relationship with God. So today I want to share three things with you that will help us grow in our relationship with God, that will help us grow, that will help us establish new faith to follow God, faith that is stronger than it was before so that we can experience everything that God has for us. So here we go. Number one. Number one, the first thing I want to share with you is this, define your goal, define your goal. To experience everything that God has for us, we've got to know what our goal is. We've got to know what it is that we're after. And for Christians, for us who are followers of Christ, what we're after, the, the number one goal, what we're really after is the object of our faith. And the object of our faith is Jesus Christ himself. What we're really after above and beyond anything else is simply Jesus himself. And for some of us, you know, we, we get into places and times in our lives where we're struggling to grow in our faith. And sometimes it's simply because we don't really have a laser focus on that goal. We haven't really honed it. We're like a, a college student, you know, who, who's changed their major like five times in their first three years. You know what I mean? It's like there's, there's, there's just a lot of, you know, changes in direction. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like if you keep doing something like that as a college student, you're never going to graduate. You, you can take all these classes. You're going to meet all these people. You're going to learn all these lessons. You're going to do all these things. But because there's no goal, there's no defined goal that this is what I'm after. This is where I'm going. All of the effort and the energy isn't headed in the same direction toward the same goal keeps changing and sometimes we can be like that in our relationship with God and we're after this and we're after that and we're seeking this and we're searching for that and we're doing these things and here's what the Bible says God did not want us to wonder what the goal is he, he didn't want this to be an area of confusion in our lives at all and Jesus in fact spoke very directly and very plainly to this and I think this helps us Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 Jesus said but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I want you to just uh, notice two phrases in there. Seek first. Everybody say, seek first. Seek first. And, and now say, all these things. Yeah, these are the two, the, the, the really important phrases in this verse. Seek first. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to grow in your faith, if you're going to experience everything I have for you, you have to seek me first. 
The goal is relationship with Jesus himself. It's knowing him better. It's loving him more. That's the foundation of maturing and growing in our relationship with God so that we can experience all those things he has for us. The goal is seeking out him. And sometimes when we don't have, we struggle to grow in our relationship with God because we don't have a focus on what we're really after. We're really after simply Jesus himself. And then he said, all these things will be added to you as well. Sometimes we struggle to grow in our relationship with God because we don't really have a defined goal. Sometimes, on the other hand, we struggle to grow in our relationship with God because we have a defined goal. It's just not the right one. And I think one of the easiest things for us to do in our relationship with God, and I have been there too, one of the easiest things for us to do is that we begin to seek after the all these things that Jesus was talking about rather than seeking after Jesus himself. Maybe the, the best way I can put it is that sometimes we get into a place in life where we want something from God more than we want God himself. And Jesus is saying, if you want to grow in your relationship with me, if you want to experience everything that I have for you, I have to be at the top of the list you can't want something from me more than you want relationship with me. That's got to be the number one priority. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Hunger and thirst for righteousness Put Jesus first. Seek after him more than what he can give you. Seek him first and let all these things be second. Jesus said that's how you're satisfied in life. And that doesn't mean that the, all these things are bad or wrong. There are a lot of things that we're seeking after that there isn't anything wrong with them. Many of us, we're seeking stability in our finances. We're seeking stability in our relationships. We're seeking direction for our career or what college to attend. Or we're, we're, we're praying uh, you know, for a miracle, for healing. Sometimes a lot of the things we want that fall into the all these things category, they're, they're not wrong. There's nothing bad about that. And then the truth is God wants us to have all these things. He said, if you seek me first, these things will be added to you as well. But if you seek the, all these things, if you want something from me more than you want me, what he's saying is you're never going to be satisfied. Because what satisfies you in life is God's best. And what's best is personal relationship with him. When that's at the top of the list, you can be satisfied. But if we just seek after all these things, we're not going to be happy. Because if we seek all these things over him, we've got our priorities out of line. And I can tell you today that that is a miserable place to be. It is a very dry and difficult place to be spiritually when we exalt all these things over the one who gives them. And I know for me, one of the things I've struggled with, especially early on in ministry, is one of the, the, the all these things in my life, one of the things I wanted more than anything was I wanted a successful ministry. 
I, I wanted a ministry that was growing, that was vibrant, that was you know, reaching people, that was gaining influence, that was doing something powerful for the kingdom of God. And there's nothing wrong with wanting a successful ministry. There's nothing wrong with wanting stability and finance and relationship and direction in our lives and, and miracles of healing. There's nothing wrong with those things. But I got to a place where I wanted that more. I was seeking after something that fell into the all these things categories. And I was forsaking intimacy with Christ so that I could have influence for Christ. I had my, my priorities out of line and I can tell you it was not satisfying to me. Even when God was blessing and God was moving and God was growing my ministry and God was helping me build, I still, I wasn't happy. And it was a miserable place when you get what you feel like you want and you're still not happy. And many times we find ourselves in those situations and I have been there too. And it's not until we grasp the heart of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that things can begin to change in our lives. That when the priorities get where they should be and we want Jesus himself more than we want something from Jesus, that's where satisfaction is. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be satisfied in life. He wants you to grow in your faith and experience his best. But to do that, you gotta put him first. You've gotta seek him every day. Pray, get into the word of God, call out on him. Dedicate your life to God every day. Read Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 and, 33 and commit yourself to it. I'm going to seek you first, Jesus. That's the foundation of growing in your faith. That is the beginning. These are the roots of maturing in our faith to follow Christ and experience everything he has for our lives. God has so many powerful and incredible things he wants to do in our lives. He wants to create a new you through new faith. But we've got to seek him first. He's got to be at the top of the list. And when that happens, we have set a foundation, a powerful foundation that we can continue to grow on. Number one is define your goal. Define your goal. Jesus has to be first. Number two is, is this. Number two is this, identify your excuses. Identify your excuses. I was going to look up in the dictionary this week uh, the definition of excuses and share that with you, but uh, when I was kind of busy this week and, um, and the thunder game was on and then my, my baby was crying and then, um, you know, the truth is none of us need, none of us need a definition for this. We all know that excuses is just anything you can come up with to not do what you know you should do. The, the excuses, excuses, it's just anything you can come up with. And can I just have a, 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 just a, a transparent moment here? Sometimes I feel like I'm the king of excuses. Like I just, I'm good at excuses. Anybody else feel like that might be your spiritual gift? You know, it's just like, I'm good at excuses. I remember growing up and and uh, every time my dad would ask me to cut the yard, I was sick to my stomach. Every time it was the weirdest thing. So strange. Just the, the devil's just mean. I mean, I don't know. It's just the weirdest. No, I mean, it was just, I didn't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't want, so I was sick every time. And of course, you know, I can let you know how that worked out for me. Um, not real well. Um, you know, not, not real well. Every time I think about working out, I'll just put it off. I'll start next Monday. Like, what's wrong with today? You know, like there's nothing wrong with today. But I just put it off. We're, we, we're doing, we're, 
We're good at excuses. We are. It's just the truth. I get it from my mom. It's her fault, really. My mom tries, you know, she's supposed to stay away from sweets. And every time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with her, I'm around her, she always finds a reason to eat it anyway. She's like, well, I'm on vacation, you know. Well, it's Tuesday. Well, it's sunny. Well, it's Columbus Day. Like, what does Columbus Day have to do with anything? You know, it's like Columbus would want me to experience the new world of that brownie. You know, and it's just like, it's just excuses. We just come at somebody like, I can't believe he threw his mom under the bus like that. You know, but, but it's true. We're just, we're good at excuses. And I think that sometimes in our relationship with God, what happens is we excuse our way out of God's best. We excuse our way out of experiencing something powerful that God had in store for our lives. Incredible things, miraculous things, powerful things. And there's a story that I find a lot of inspiration in. It's Luke chapter number eight. It's a powerful story, and I think that it'll help us out today talking about identifying our excuses and then obviously overcoming our excuses. It's a great story, Luke chapter eight and verse number 42 It begins in verse 42. It says, as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. And the Bible says in some translations, it says the crowds almost crushed him. So Jesus, there's all these people packed around him. And the Bible says a woman in the crowd had suffered 12 years with constant bleeding. And she could find no cure. And coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. That's an incredible story. It's just, just at surface level, that's an inspiring story. You just look at it and the Bible says, here's Jesus. There's a crowd of people packed around him. And the Bible says the, the crowd's almost crushing him. Like everybody wants to be near Jesus. And she fought through that crowd to touch his garment, to be healed by the power of Jesus. And that's inspiring, that, that, that's amazing, just that surface level, but if we dig a little bit deeper, I really believe that we find that there are a lot of things happening in this story that this woman could have used to become excuses. There are a lot of reasons to not do what she ended up doing. She could have let those reasons become a long list of excuses that kept her from fighting through that crowd and experiencing the miracle that Jesus had. Again, there was, there was the crowd itself, and that's, that's difficult enough. But for this woman, the Bible says she was sick. She had constant bleeding for 12 years. And when you dig a little bit deeper into her background and, and the culture that she lived in, you find that this is a Jewish woman living in a Jewish society that lived according to Old Testament law. And without getting too deep into all of that, here's what I want us to see, is that she, according to their laws, was not a clean person. And as a, an unclean person, she was not allowed to come into contact with clean people. That was against the law. That was against the commandments. And so it was, 
She was not allowed to do what she did that day. It was not okay for her to even be in that crowd of people touching everyone else because everybody she was touching was becoming ceremonially unclean. And to make matters worse, it was bad enough to be in the crowd, but to touch Jesus, who is the rabbi, he's, he's the teacher of God. I mean, literally, she was, she, I mean, she was just taking her life into her own hands. And when you look a little bit into that background, you look into her life and, and the laws and, and what was going on, you find out she had all of these reasons to not do what she did. She could have excused her way out of this. She could have said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. But here's the thing. She was so desperate for what Jesus had that she was able to identify those excuses, overcome those excuses, fight through the crowd, and get to Jesus. She was healed because she was desperate enough to fight through the excuses. And I just think that for some of us, we need to come to a place in our lives where we're a little bit more desperate for God. And I realize that's not exactly the label that we want in life. We don't exactly want to be labeled desperate. We don't want to be, you know, desperate for a job. We don't want to be desperate for money. We don't want to be desperate for relationships. We don't want to be desperate for finances. Uh, we don't want to, you know, to be desperate for a spouse. We don't want to be desperate for a car. We, we don't want that label. We don't want that, you know, in life. I mean, that's not really a positive thing in our culture. You know, nobody wants to be romantically desperate right? Like you don't walk up to that, that, that special someone that you want, you know, to, to go out with you and, and, you know, to ask them on, on that first day. Like you don't walk up to somebody and just like, I want you to go out with me so bad. Like you don't start describing your perfect date. Like I love seafood and long walks and my love language is quality touch. And my, and they're like, what? Like a quality touch is not a love language. B you're a super creep. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody, Nobody wants that label, but in God's kingdom, those who hunger and thirst for his righteousness, those who seek him first, those who are desperate experience God's best in their lives because they overcome the excuses and they fight through the crowds. Today, maybe some of us are in that place and we have crowds in our lives. You know, the devil is fighting against us. You know, the devil wants to create crowds in your life that distance you from God. And for some of us, the crowd that we have to fight through, that, that there's, there's a crowd in our life that's keeping us from regular church attendance. And we maybe are in a place where the excuses are kind of getting the best of us. And, and we're not really growing in our faith the way that we could be because we're not in God's house on a regular basis. God has what's best for our lives. But to experience that, we've got to grow in our faith. To grow in our faith, we've got to be in the house of God. We've got to be in the word of God. God has miracles for your life. But you've got to overcome those excuses. You've got to fight through the crowd. And it is worth getting through the crowd to experience God's best in your life. Some of you, the devil's creating a crowd in your life that's keeping you from being involved in a community group. From getting involved in a smaller group of believers so that you can build relationships with and get to know better and share your life with. You're missing out on the encouragement from those people, the strength from those people, the wisdom from the godly friendships that are waiting for you in that community group. Don't let the excuses win. Don't let the excuses rob you of God's best that is waiting for you in regularly being in his house, getting involved in a community group. You will grow in your faith, and as you grow, you will follow Christ 
to places that you otherwise never would have gone and experience miracles and blessings from God that you otherwise never would have experienced. Don't miss God's best by not having a goal that's defined, by not identifying the excuses and fighting through those excuses to experience what Jesus has for you. You When when we don't have a goal set in our lives, when, when, when we don't have... Uh, the excuses identified and we're not fighting through those things. It's a lot like just kind of hitting the pause button on your faith. There's no growth. There's no growth. I mean, just imagine what it's like. Say you're in your living room and you're, you're in your favorite chair, you know what I mean? And you're, you're, you're just kicked back and you're relaxed and you're watching a movie and you just pick up the remote and you just pause the, the TV. But then you just keep watching. Just keep staring at the screen. You're still laid back in the chair. You're still relaxing, but you're still here. It's not, it, it, there's no entertainment. There's no, Why? Because nothing's happening. The the plot is not thickening. The characters are not developing. The main character isn't fighting through obstacles and getting victory and overcoming. Nothing's happening. That's what our faith is like when we don't seek Jesus first. When we don't identify our excuses and fight through those crowds. Our faith is on pause. We're not growing. Our faith stays in the little league. Because we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're after. We're not seeking him first. And our excuses are getting the best of us. God has what's best for our lives. And my prayer, my prayer for you is that you would experience everything God has. But I know for us to experience that, we have to grow in our faith. And to do that, we've got to put Jesus absolutely at the top of the list. We can't want something from him more than we want him that's never going to lead to a place of satisfaction in our lives. And if our excuses win the day, we hit the pause button on our faith. And there's no growth. Get to a place where Jesus is number one. Seek him first. Fight through the crowds and experience everything that he has. I want to share a third thing with you today and it comes also from the story of the woman in Luke chapter number eight. So define your goal, identify your excuses, and number three, never, never, never give up. Never give up on the Lord. You know, I think sometimes we get into the middle of that crowd. I think sometimes we take some big steps of faith And we get into that crowd a little ways. But sometimes it feels like there's there's no end in sight, really. And we don't exactly know how things are going to turn out. And we don't exactly know what's going to happen next. And sometimes I think we get ourselves in those situations, in this faith journey, where we start to feel overwhelmed. We just kind of realize, man, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. So how, how do you keep going? I mean, this woman's story, when you look at her experience in her life in Luke chapter number eight, This story screams, never give up. She was sick for 12 long years. She had so many opportunities to give up and to quit. She had so many reasons that could have become excuses that would have kept her from fighting through that crowd and getting to Jesus. She had everything working against her, but she never gave up. If there's one thing that her life preaches, it's that we should never never, ever give up. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 31, 24. It says, be strong 
And let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. I think sometimes we hear that verse of scripture and we kind of look at it and we go, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to be strong. Like I'm trying to take courage. But how do I do that? How do I take courage, you know, in, in, in the middle of the crowd? And that's where, in a way, this message kind of goes full circle. Because the way that we be strong in the middle of the crowd and not give up, the way that we take courage to keep on fighting, to keep on following Jesus, is to do what we talked about first. It's to seek Jesus first in our lives. That's where the courage comes from. The Bible says in Romans twelve twelve, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. It's through that constant prayer. It's through seeking Jesus first. It's through seeking him more than what he can do for us. It's it's by putting all these things underneath our desire for just Jesus himself. That is the source of our strength. That's what helps you to be strong. That's what helps you to take courage and say, even though I can't see the end, I'm going to keep walking toward it. Even though I don't know when I'll get out of this crowd, I'm going to keep fighting through this crowd because it's worth fighting through the crowd to get to Jesus. Constant prayer. Seek him first. Never give up on Jesus because he will never, has never, not ever going to give up on you. He will be there with you. If you seek him first, you will find the strength to keep going. You can take courage. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be days where you feel like giving up. But if you seek him, he will strengthen you. If you seek him, he will give you strength and never give up on God. This woman searched for 12 years. She went from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor and nobody could help her. Nobody could cure her. The Bible says she spent everything she had trying to find a cure and never found one. And For some of us, we can find ourselves in her shoes at that point in the story. Some of us find ourselves there Because for us, it's been relationship after relationship after relationship. And you're at a place today where you're going, God, when am I ever going to find that person for me? When am I ever going to find that godly person that you've got for my life? For some of us, it's been job after job after job. And it's when am I ever going to find a job that, that, that not just that I enjoy, but that I can be stable in my finances and provide for my family. Like, when am I going to get to that place? For some of us, it, it's been, it has been doctor after doctor. And you're struggling with, with a, a, a physical ailment. And, and you're seeking that cure. And you've gone to this place and that place. So what I'm saying to you is never give up. Never give up. Don't give up on God. Don't quit praying. Don't quit seeking him. Don't quit following him. I know there's been times in my life where I have wondered where the end was. I've wondered when God was going to provide. I know for me, I was almost 30 years old when I got married. And there were a lot of times where I wondered, man, God, am I ever going to find the right girl? Am I ever going to find a wife? Am I ever going to get married? There were nights I just... I, I just laid there and stared at the ceiling and just thought, God, I don't want to be alone. 
And I've prayed and I've sought God and I've done my best and all those things. And I can tell you it was very difficult at times. There were times where I just kind of wanted to forget it. You know, I'm never going to find that person. I'm never going to do. And there were times that were difficult. And it was only through seeking Jesus first, through sticking with him, that, that I kept going. And can I tell you, God brought my wife into my life at the right time. We, we developed our relationship. She said yes. And we got married. And I'm just telling you right now, it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. My timing and God's timing were two different things, but it was worth the wait. And I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what your struggle might be. But if I can encourage you today from my life and from the scriptures, from this woman's story, never give up on God. He has your best interest at heart and he will take care of you. But the only way we'll trust him to do it is if we seek him first. Define the goal. Identify your excuses and never give up. God has an amazing plan for your life. And to experience it, to experience it, you gotta put him first. Seek him with everything you've got. Fight through the crowds. Never give up on God. He will never give up on you.